But you did have in the process, you know, sexual relations with other people. 
right? Yes, yes, from time to time. I think it's much more common than we we are conscious of um, to actually like look at oneself in the mirror or look at or, or close you know your eyes and imagine how you look or you know all, all kinds of like self reflective desire uh, while you are with a partner um, you know in order to to kind of like reach you know completion and and you know orgasm and especially if people are in relationships where they are with a partner whom they love but are not necessarily like you know crazily attracted to uh, because of time or because it's a marriage of convenience or because it's a relationship that has other priorities or whatever right yeah well the whole relationship thing is a complicated factor because autosexuality even though it's a place on the sexuality spectrum it has a spectrum within itself as well right and there are many people who probably are just a little bit autosexual i think a lot of people most people probably look at themselves (laughs) in the mirror and think oh i would look good wearing this and maybe they're choosing an outfit to appease or, or to attract a mate or for themselves And then as you slide further down the spectrum, it becomes a little more involved where there's self-flirting, there's more direct admiration and courage to face the reflection, and then you can go all the way down to the end of the spectrum where it's almost pure. And that's a place where it's probably more rare, and I think that is kind of where I find myself, but nothing is absolutely pure. But I'm definitely in that side of the of the spectrum. Yeah, well, that's what's interesting, and and we'll get there because that's what I think we know least about is the purest, uh, you know, practice, you know, purest expression of it. But I, I do want to start with the most common expression because I think it's a comfortable way for our listeners to identify <laughs> with what we're we're saying. Um, well, right? what I believe is important to do is not just appease or, or define this to a larger part of society that doesn't understand it, but also to reach out to all the people out there who are autosexual, who are still alone and feel isolated and maybe even ashamed of it and need to hear that there's a community and that there are many of us out there. And for those of us at the far end of the spectrum, come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree. I support that 100%. Everybody should come out, you know. My goal is to, like, you know, get into a place in society where, like, we don't have to come out. And no one, you know, no one has this to is say, kind of it. I am not straight. I am X, Y, Z. I mean, it's like an endless, <laughs> there's so many more Well, the shirt that I'm wearing. Well, not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that uh-huh. is actually an autosexual pride shirt. Oh, wow. And what's, so, the, what's the design on it? Well, this is sort of an artistic version. It's like a, mm. it's like a little animal, but it's, it's the colors. The purple, mm. the gray, and the red are also the colors. I have another shirt, too, that has the autosexual symbol on it, and I wear that out in public. And what and is most the autosexual people, symbol? It's a heart with an arrow <laughs> circling yeah. around the heart, like yeah. a closed circuit. Yeah, that's so lovely. Yeah. Well, I think that, okay, so I think that that um, 
you know, resonates both with this kind of like mantra of, of the, the, you know, the recent years, which is you have to love yourself first before you can love others properly, before you understand what it is to love and to be loved and what, True. you know, you need. Um, but also I think it does resonate with the fact that all of us, well, no, not all of us, but the majority of us in, in, in modern generations, not in our ancestral times when most people got like initiated by rape of one way or another, but in, in, you know, in our current generations, our living generations, most people discover their sexuality through masturbation. And that was the first taboo, right? Mm. You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't like go to your friends and say, I did that. You know, what did you do? Right. Um, but inevitably, because it's the first body that you have like exposure and access to, and your body changes so dramatically <laughs> and visibly mm -hmm. in front of you when you're a teenager, and you know you become from a child, you grow like you know breasts or a penis or a butt or you know muscles <laughs> or curves, and it's just like you know. So I feel that. Um, um, regardless you know of gender for all genders in one way or another you know this is the body that we have free access to and the body that we kind of learn a little bit on how it yeah. feels to touch not as a you know in in, a, in the parental affectionate ways but in a in a sexual way right and it's very confusing i think to the young mind that's not fully developed uh, and also shaming and shameful. So it creates this, this split, this like duality where, you know, there is the mind that has like primacy because it's what like we can talk in society about and, and the work we get paid for. And there is the body that we keep secret, yeah. right? And we don't know how to unite the two ever again. Well, pretty much. it begins with childhood and it begins with, my history i think autosexuality doesn't come about on its own it's really kind of an amalgamation of different circumstances that form a personality yes i may have been born with some of those tendencies but also i was a latchkey kid do you know that term no well i was i, I grew up pretty much alone a lot of the time very isolated in my room as a little child. This is before the sexual stuff. And I had my own world. I invented my own alphabet. I created my own maps of a vast imaginary world. Um, I talked to myself as if I were my own friend. And this was before. This is like when I was five or six. And so it sort of arose from that, along with a very combative parental situation, um, my parents fought a lot, and then there was a really bad divorce. So those things kind of helped drive me inwards. And so it's a coping mechanism, autosexuality. Well, also they kind of frightened you of, like, the conflict and drama that comes from, like, interpersonal yes. romance, I'm sure. <laughs> you you got it very right. You nailed that. Um, the whole to notion of marriage and intimacy uh, can lead to a, an explosion that is traumatizing. So as I grew up, I wasn't really accepted by the general population at school. I was the weird kid, the kid with the broken family. 
and the few crushes that I did have on both boys and girls um, ended in rejection or I'd simply never reveal my feelings to them. So it really became an isolated place. And then came the attraction. And that happened when I was about 13 or 14, seeing this boy in the mirror looking back at me. He was at once familiar and I knew every part of him. You know? Yeah. It was more than the sexual. It was his thoughts and his fears, his secrets. And I knew he wouldn't reject me or betray me. Yeah. Yeah, it's safe. It was very it's very safe. And and also so, yes. like like the like the logo shows, you know, it, it's like the Uroboros, right? It's the perfect the snake. Circle. I wanna get that. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm yeah. planning or I'm thinking at some point I wanna get that as a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. That is you know, that is completion. And I don't you know, I'm I again, you know, for the for our general listeners and to the general public, I think that there is space for in in for everyone to be both, you know, to find that love and completion for for ourselves, and to also experience partnership, and in that way, perhaps we will be less needy, less dependent, less compulsive, you know, less instinct yes less heartbreak right (laughs) less Less heartbreak less less, control you know like if i don't less game playing right if i don't control Um, this person who am i you know your identity doesn't have to be like you know contained in your ownership of someone else (laughs) if you're uh, yeah definitely okay with your ownership of yourself that could be fulfilling yeah and i think that for me it's kind of gone farther to the other end of the spectrum because it started out as a coping mechanism and it then sort of became an escape to a place where I knew I would be okay. And then add to that the bonus of being my own type physically, (laughs) which if you're gay or you're bisexual and you fancy yourself as your own type physically, it can be a rather intense erotic feedback loop (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i also know people who you know for again perhaps for generational reasons or you know or or cultural reasons meaning they come from very macho cultures uh you know they had very like a strong masculine uh you know rigorous uh, definitions when they grew up so they have they find it extremely difficult to identify as gay or queer and they you know they find it nearly impossible to come out you know they have children they have been with women successfully so it's not like um but definitely their relationship in their secret life, which is like, you know, random sex, you know, with men in like sex shops or with themselves, you know, elaborate sex with themselves, with toys, you know, videotaped or mirrored or whatever. Mirrors. Yes, a lot of mirrors and and video, you know, screen again, recording so you can see it. And um, and that entire part of their sexual life which I think is the most interesting one for them, has no name, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it, up until recently, it had no name. And, and still, it is still emerging as we speak today. Yeah, there's a There's a very small um, thread on Reddit. You know the Reddit yeah. social? Yeah. And there's an autosexual 
thread there, but it's very small and people are joining on and they're really happy to find this place, but it still doesn't have the reach. Yeah. So, yeah, because, and I think it doesn't have the reach because um, our, let's say, our public sense of sexuality comes from how others desire us, right? And we are conditioned to to judge our at least physical value by how many other people we attract. Like that's the whole concept of the patriarchy. It's very transactional. And how are you gonna, uh, after all- Satisfying another, right. yeah. How, how do you- do that transaction? You want someone else to be <laughs> your yardstick. Well, yes. I am right. and who's my buying? own- Right, who's buying this body? Like if someone else, you know, it's like the outward versus inward like motivation, right? If there isn't mm-hmm. somewhere outside validating you as a desired, you know, object, then you're not, are you? So yeah, that's well, the thing, the, the, the blockage. Yeah, and it became very apparent very early to me that I was, my compass pointed inward as opposed to outwards. And I would look in the mirror. I remember a very epiphany type moment when I was probably about 13 when I looked in the mirror and I fell in love. It was kind of a <laughs> epiphany wild. moment. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I just looked in the mirror and I loved what I saw. And it wasn't narcissism. It was something quite secretive and powerful. And just the tone of his body, his big blue eyes, his secretive, mischievous smile and his imagination all kind of came together and, and it quickly began to form a powerful relationship that I didn't need to share with anybody. So it was a protective shield as well as an incredibly powerful love affair, which continues to this day. You are your type, but anyone, you know, you don't have to meet the, the, the standards of the moment that you happen to be alive and sexual in, you know, just because like right now, uh, the standards of beauty, if you look at like magazines and ads are a certain way, if you don't meet them, but you do turn yourself on and you do satisfy yourself, that's so empowering to actually trust yourself, you know, and trust what, you see is beautiful instead of like, you know, a, a kind of like self-attacking or, you know, self-editing cosmetically and otherwise constantly trying to become, you know, who you're not. So well, that's a big... It's a good thing for people who are not kind of like, you know, stereotypically attractive. Yeah, well, there are plenty of autosexuals out there. I've met a couple online who aren't classically attractive. Um, there are some who are gorgeous. Most of them are still in the closet, so I still think that this is a 90% invisible community. Yeah, for sure. But what what I think is important is that some people who are declared autosexuals might be overweight. They might have very non-traditional physical appearances, but it's all about how they feel towards themselves. Yeah, exactly. And how I think that that's just such a confidence, you know, booster. So I love, I love like the, the whole concept of that. And, and also, you know, I, what I enjoy about it is that it is a, a training ground 
to get through and past, you know, gender limitations and gender stereotypes, you know. So when you, it's, when it's you with yourself alone, uh, you know, if you're a man, you can put like the lace lingerie or you can dress as a, as a, you know, whatever, you know, French maid. I don't know what anybody, but my point is you don't need the, uh, you know, the other body. And when you're a woman, you can conversely, you know, do the things that the, the male does typically, uh, to yourself or in that kind of performance, like the, the self-love performance space. And I think that even though we don't quite recognize how practicing these things, you know, frees us from the stuff that we've been like brainwashed and bombarded with, you know, since we were born, um, but from the moment we were named boy, girl, you know, and given colors for our <laughs> like nurseries or whatever, <laughs> our outfits. <laughs> yeah. Everything so, is coded. Yeah. It's, you're, it's you're, a good you're evolutionary assigned, yeah. practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember in those early days, I wondered if I was gay or maybe bisexual and it was only because there was no definition for this. And so I, having grown up in a very small, conservative New England town, had really no voice with which to express it because the few gay or outwardly gay people that were in my class back in eighth grade, ninth grade, were they were ridiculed. And the term gay back when I was a kid was a pejorative. Well, it's, so, it still is in middle school, I'm afraid. Oh, of course it is. And so, but then take self-attraction and it's adding a taboo to the taboo and the irony of that is it back when i had to hide it from the world it only heightened the passion that i would engage in when i was alone in my bedroom against my mirror yeah yeah oh yeah the first time you discover that your body gets turned on is just by touching yourself accidentally. Again, like in yeah. contemporary times where we're allowed to do that or, or you know, have a, a room of our own because <laughs> people used to like sleep in the same bed with their parents. So we've come a long way, but this yeah. is the way that we're evolving, I think, being able to, you know, like define and understand and explain things that many people, you know, moments that many people have had that they discard because there's no word for them and because they'd rather not talk about it. Um, I'm sure this goes back know? thousands of years. Right? I'm sure there were people that existed in ancient history that were autosexual and what a struggle it must have been liberating relationships you know love relationships from sexual relationships is interesting you know i mean it, we began with like liberating marriage from pure transaction among parents which is great uh, but then we have somehow got to a place where a lot of our love relationships that lead to marriage are again transaction pay, you know, based, but between, you know, the partners themselves, you know, so who, you know, one of them supports the other sort of thing. Well, that's so moving interesting. out of the sex uh, mm -hmm. as the, as the emphasis, not, not having sex, but, uh, you know, um, moving out of the sex being the driving factor. You know, the, the, like, the attributes of the other person, you know, the trophy husband or trophy wife, 
moving away from that, I think, is again, you know, part of like the positive re- evolution where we can be, you know, new types of families that are actually, you know, love-based and, and respect-based and not so like, you know, sexual drama, possession, jealousy, and all, you know, all that, all that, you know. So yeah. I think allowing space and bringing into light the, you know, the relationship, the sexual relationship you can have with yourself is a big process in that. I have shared this relationship with myself, with others in relationships that I've been in the past with others. And it's been incorporated into it sometimes for better and sometimes, well, it always will end and I'll end up coming back to myself. But it does have a place where others who are not autosexual see the world of the autosexual as a turn on because it is so different and courageous and potentially erotic. Mm-hmm. Have you been in a relationship with another autosexual? Is that, that no one is autosexual. <laughs> well, I, I'll answer that by saying nobody as autosexual as me. Mm. But I think what it's done, and this is a positive thing that I want people to hear on this podcast, is sharing that part of myself with a partner helps bring a little bit of their own autosexuality out, autosexuality out. Right. And wherever they land on the spectrum, it's something that may not have happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say, and again, I'm a neophyte. This is, I'm just learning and, you know, joining in this. Um, but, you know, I've, I've talked in, about sexual expression and different, uh, you know, sexual orientations for like 30 years. So I feel a comfort yeah. <laughs> speaking to it. Um, and, and yeah, I want to say that it seems to me that it, the way that it's different, from, from masturbation is that the, we, again, and it's all mental in my opinion, a lot of it is mental. So mentally, when we uh, are masturbating, we are accepting that this is what we do because we're liking a partner. It's all only in, 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 you know, in the absence of a partner. But if only we could find the partner that we're either fantasizing about or the partner of our dreams or whatever, then we wouldn't be masturbating. We would be with them. Therefore, the masturbation is kind of second rate, you know, or like less valid or diminishing. It implies how in some way that we're not able to like get Right, it's like a surrogate or a proxy form of gratification. So it has that feeling that you know, no one, no one wants to get me off right now. This is what I'm doing. Instead of removing, you know, that kind of lack aspect, that it's not the lack that's forcing us into this, but it just feels good, and we choose it. (laughs) Of course, of course, and that's the whole mistake that autosexuality is just masturbation. It's not. It's a relationship that evolves. And it's been evolving through the years for me, and I never tire of it. So what's the pure, what you call the pure, um, you know, expression or or lifestyle of of (laughs) autosexuality? Well, the pure... Or the near, the, nothing is pure for starters. I don't think anything 
on the spectrum is 100%. You can get close to it. And for me, it's just having an amazing boyfriend and he's me. Um, that includes the physical, the flirting, um, writing letters to myself or Valentine's cards even. Um, there's a lot more. I mean, it's how I groom myself and keep myself physically fit. Uh, the diet, yoga, which was a big factor in bringing me to terms with my autosexuality because it sort of helped bring me inwards, which is a big factor in yoga. I'm a teacher of yoga. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror and cast a knowing glance that I know nobody else can see. It's kind of like a secret little glance of the eyes, um, touching my arms, touching my ribs, running my hands through my hair. Um, I had a floor mirror in college that I would sometimes bring out when I had a room of my own. And bear in mind, back then when I didn't know what it was, this relationship was incredibly secretive, as if I were having a homosexual affair. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, being uh, a, you know, a bicyclist and a, a yogi, I take pride in my body. And so I do it for myself. And the thing about masturbating is when you mentioned that you are fantasizing about someone else, it's also possible to fantasize about yourself and imagine that you're with another version of you or an exact duplicate of you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think, that's, I think that's very common. It's just that we don't talk about it. But I think that... Again, you know, people whose partners are not necessarily um, aesthetically attractive can, you know, instinctively, in order to reach, you know, uh, orgasm, will think about how they look. And it's just, it could be a couple of seconds, so it's something that's not, you know, discussed in any way or even made, even made conscious, but it happens. If you have two bodies and one seems to you more attractive than the other, you're going to think of that because you just want to, you know, finish. You want to complete. That's where you're going at that moment. And I think that's, you know, it's a little bit like also like the, the whole um, stripper culture in, in a sense that we've gone into and we don't call it that. But, you know, our relationship to the screen, to social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like our our... our our experience with each other through the way we look or present ourselves or perform, you know, rather than actual intimacy, I think has enhanced this tendency, but, but, but it's a tendency that's unhealthy if it's not, again, understood consciously. Because it's an avoidance, you know, if, you, if you're not conscious about it, 
it's something that you do just to to you know avoid or to get over well sure sure <laughs> a, a that's problem <laughs> that's a way to divert yourself right. away from true intimacy exactly exactly and exactly I remember back in school when most kids were looking at playboys or penthouses or having secret crushes or or dating I had my own world and I remember the first kiss <laughs> well you're definitely a hundred percent close to it yeah. I mean the first the first kiss was it was an open-mouthed French kiss against the mirror yeah and it lasted much longer than a practice kiss and I remember stepping back from that and thinking oh my god I didn't expect it to feel so good and it just <laughs> became a, a ritual mm -hmm. I would look forward to getting home from school so I could make, go into my room yeah. and undress for him and explore where it was all going mm -hmm. so I was living a double life because I had my friends. Once I stopped being kind of like the social reject in the early years of school, I had friends and I became popular and I had good grades, but I didn't date. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a mystery. I was kind of a mystery to a lot of my friends because they were all dating, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, you just didn't have that need. <laughs> I think you were... Not as much as others. Yeah, yeah. You were definitely not um, so, you know, dependent on that feed of outside, uh, you know, pleasure hits, you know, of the dopamine hits that we get from the outside world as much. Because I think a lot of, like, the, you know, the compulsion early on <laughs> is just how we appear. You know, we get a lot more like reward, social respect, people talk about you, blah, 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 based on who you date or who you're with or who you Sure. Have. Yeah. So and it does I've, require a degree of freedom, of independence, a social freedom, you know, to be able to do that young. Well, it was there and it was an incredible place to go. But I did have crushes. I did have desires for others that were uh, mostly unrequited or unrequited. Yeah, unrequited. <laughs> um, which, because sometimes they were heartbreaking and painful, the rejection, I realized that I had my own boyfriend with me and why not just embrace him and liberate myself from what could be plenty of more heartbreak and drama. Yeah. Well, it sounds something that also like sensitive people will be more drawn to for that reason, you know. <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of people out there that want to hear this and yeah. know that it's okay. And that's yeah. who I'm speaking to. Yeah. It's also a matter of teaching people to love themselves more. Exactly. Yeah. Even if they're not autosexual. Yeah, exactly. And and just allow space for it. You know, I think, you know, now with the quarantine, it just, that's how I began. It's a good time to discover, you know, our bodies and our relationships with ourselves. Physically, yeah, well, and it's true. 
you know, mentally, consciously. A lot know, of contemplation. A lot of contemplation. Do we agree with the things we just repeat? Because, like, that's what we saw in the movies or we saw our parents do, like, a million times. Uh, is that really what we mean? Or are we just kind of being thoughtless, you know, and unconscious? I feel that people who are doing what they're told to do and feel what they're told to feel are missing out on themselves, their true selves. They're living in outer space. And what they need to do is go back to inner space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not a choice. Um, I mean, I, I would say that, let me, I actually wrote this down. I, you can choose to take a personality trait or a sexual characteristic and suppress it and hide it and push it into some corner and pretend it's not there. And too many people do that. And the long-term side effects of that can be really damaging. Yeah, they are. We see them. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and you, you, you can't choose to destroy a fundamental part of who you are. And it just doesn't go away. And this is part of who I am. And I tried to push it away for a long time to the outside world. And now instead, you're giving me a chance to give it a platform. Opening up space for ourselves is the, really the only way we can open up space for each other. You know, I think that when we oppress ourselves and judge ourselves, then inevitably we judge each other and then we get into the society of conflicts and dualities and, you know, me versus oh, yeah. you. I'm not immune to that. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, the irony is I am a very critical person of myself. You know, in my work with editing or animation, I'm always sitting on the couch behind me saying, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it, it makes me do better work, but I'm also my own producer and judge and bully and critic. So that's part of the paradox of also being my own boyfriend. Yeah, well, I guess in that way, it's, uh, you know, you can, you can mold your boyfriend without much, <laughs> without much resistance to who you like, to perfection. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's a big perk. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big perk. I mean, the sex is great. <laughs> yeah, always. I mean, come on, you know, after a certain age, we all know, like, we know our bodies better than whoever, you know, whatever new person will, will, you know, Come up and, and it's not just our bodies. I mean, when I speak to the other few other autosexuals that uh, have really made a word for themselves, one in particular, she's not a classically attractive person. It's a thing about the mind, and it may be something that some people are born with, where they just have a little more ability to find comfort in the in themselves. Mm -hmm. Physical attraction. Mm -hmm. is a bonus. My take on all of this is, and that's just me, um, wanting everyone to, you know, wanting, wanting society as a whole, humanity as a whole to evolve. I personally think that it's, you know, how our young minds react to all kinds of stimuli from like moment one, like from when we actually come and see light. Um, 
So I think the idea of like being born with has a finality. You know, I, I like to encourage people to adopt different, you know, orientations and identities through life. Life is long, you know, and just trying things. And the more we we experiment and and expand, the more again, you know, we can like forgive and 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 understand and you know embrace in others and say, okay, you know, that's not something I do, but you know wow <laughs> like it's about acceptance so exciting that you it's about it. tolerance yeah. and it's about trying a new flavor yeah. and you know if at the very least someone hears this and goes wow i never thought of that before yeah i'm yeah. gonna look in the mirror i think there'll be a lot of people who've never thought and of <laughs> it will open a door for people yeah and you know we all have to be open to everybody's place on the spectrum as long as it it's mutual and not yeah, harmful to anybody. Exactly. All the stripes on the sexuality spectrum are wonderful. Hopefully, you know, the pendulum's swinging back to decency. Yeah. And love. Yeah. Well, I believe in that. It's just a matter of time. You know, as you, ho my hope is that it's going to be peaceful. But peaceful or not, the evolution is inevitable. You know, the patriarchy is dead. <laughs> we have already killed it. America killed it. Our legal system killed it. You cannot put this thing back. So it's about, you know, whether we can all hear each other and, you know, move forward because the, the weight of the past is so big, you know, and we're not dishonoring our past. Like we speak those words, you know, we respect the traditions, but, but we are not repeating it. You know, we take it with us, but we're not, you know, we're doing new. Yes. You have to remember words. it for yeah. the sake of not repeating it. Exactly. And yeah. we really learned yes. that lesson over these past few years. I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in terms so. of, yeah. In terms of autosexuality, it's kind of like the last frontier in the sexual realm. And it's one of those most uncharted places. Yeah. Because it's a closed circuit. And those who practice it and those who are well into it don't have to share it with anybody else. And so it makes perfect sense that it's taken this long to emerge into the light. Yeah. I think it's a very like healing and therapeutic you know, part of our sexuality and whether we go as you have, and yes, we stay with it and we go, you know, with it to a place of like semi-permanence or whether we just understand it like now when it's dangerous to date other people, for example, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And we're so restless and, you know, who, who is It's a perfect time to explore one's autosexuality. Yeah. And so why name yourself, devalue yourself, or give people you don't like the power <laughs> to decide, you know, That's what right. your erotic and, and, and aesthetic, you know, beauty and attraction is. And, and I think just by validating ourselves as for who we are, we kind of like demand that society validate us the same so you know we lift everybody by choosing to like lift our own standards to what we think is fair it would make everybody better people yeah 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 because a lot of narcissists on the inside don't like themselves yeah and, and autosexuals and they're so needy or auto romantics auto romantic is 
a companion word to autosexual. And the two really, if combined properly, create auto intimacy. Yeah. And that is the incredible feedback loop that can strengthen a person. Yeah. It can be a blessing. It can be a curse also uh, because it's really about how you choose, you know, to harness it, you know, and I urge people to embrace it and cultivate it and own it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I do too. Okay. Thank you, Chris. And until next week, everybody out there, keep speaking sex. My name is Eve Eurydice and these are my conversations speaking sex. I speak sex with all kinds of people who are at the forefront of this change of consciousness in the 21st century. And I encourage you to hear our ongoing liberation conversation and find your way of turning around the meaning of what we've been taught. Support my cause. Help me set you free. Hit the support button on speaksexpodcast.com hit support hit donate thank you love you and keep speaking sex another piece of good news from our sponsor oldplayground.net they have a special right now where you can join for three days for $3.99 you can start a profile and you can navigate the site it's the biggest most inclusive most contemporary lifestyle website uh, in English at least that (laughs) we know of And you can have your own exclusive content. Uh, There is a big wall with videos, uh, information, uh, podcasts about uh, sex and intimacy topics, and all kinds of open people with whom uh, you can communicate across the country. So give it a try. This is the chance to do so. And love you all. Make love incessantly, I would be God.